In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon text is our epistle reading. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Amen. I've heard this question many times. How can it be that such and such a person doesn't believe in God? How can this person believe something that isn't true about God? Today, as we celebrate the transfiguration, we might wonder if Jesus isn't at fault for people not believing. After all, he hides his power and might from the world. He cloaks himself in human flesh. Only at the transfiguration do a few of his disciples get a glimpse of his great glory and majesty. Otherwise, he appears like an ordinary man who says and does some extraordinary, even supernatural things. Given all his miracles and the very pointed things Jesus says, it's hard to say Jesus wasn't revealing himself to people. We cannot say he was fully hiding who he was, but, but it's true that he isn't as explicit as some people today want him to be. Some people today essentially demand that God show himself to them in order for them to believe. It is odd that they do not make this claim about famous people they have never met. We only know about such people because other people have told us they exist. We do not have first-hand knowledge. We have second-hand reports and video, which given today's technology could have easily been edited and faked. Are these famous people real? Truly real? At some point, this line of thinking and questioning results in questioning the very truth and fact of reality. Such can be pointed out, but I've often found that the argument shifts. That is to say, that it is argued that Jesus' claim to existence is much greater than other people are claiming. He's claiming to be God. Well, that affects me more than the claim that a famous person exists. This greater claim requires greater authentication, thus higher standards. But God does provide greater evidence, more substantial than the existence of people whom we have never met. He provides extraordinary historical evidence from those who did see him. He provides eyewitnesses that number in the hundreds. He provides written testimony that has never been refuted. He even provides evidence of who he is among the detractors who recorded in their own records what Jesus did along with their own explanation of his existence. Now still, many people do not believe or they refuse to believe. A famous atheist, Anthony Flew, strongly opposed and fought against the existence of God. Finally, he admitted that there had to be a divine intelligence of some sort. Now, far from confessing the true God, Anthony at least recognized an order in creation that could not be explained except by the existence of God. 
He dimly saw some of the evidence regarding God's existence, but he still opposed going further than this. Why is this? Now we could point out our sinful flesh, which opposes God and the truth about God, but our text from 2 Corinthians notes that the evil one is involved as well. He's blinding people to the truth. He's misleading people. He's covering up the facts. And our sinful flesh certainly helps him to do this. It's only willing to aid him in this endeavor and buy into the lies. And so that is why we fall for his many lies. Our flesh doesn't want to come to grips with the truth, so it's much easier to remain blind. If we aren't blind, well, we become culpable for what we have done. We don't want to be responsible. But since we've been blinded, we think we will not be held responsible for our sins. And yet such blinding cannot be blamed on the devil alone. All people are provided with the evidence in creation that Anthony flew, saw, and knew. There is enough evidence to see through the lies, enough light to see even in the darkness. That's why people like Anthony flew have admitted to God's existence, even as they refuse to go much further. In other words, although God does hide himself from us seeing him directly, he hasn't fully hidden himself. In truth, he isn't trying to hide who he is from us. So what is God doing? Why is he not revealing himself directly as he could do? Why does he not show himself in his transfiguration glory to all people? We see the answer in Moses' face. Moses covered his face so that the children of Israel would not focus on or look at what was being set aside. Moses' face shone with the glory of God's revelation to him. Moses saw the glory of God's law, his divine order, and his just judgment over sin. He did not see God face to face, but saw God's backside. This glory of the law was to be superseded by the glory of the cross. If Moses had not covered his face, people might have become enamored with this glory. They might have focused on that which is going to pass away. They might have been captivated by trying to possess and have this glory, which not only could they not obtain, but it's the very glory that would destroy them. This is the very glory of power and might with which we are also enthralled. Mankind seeks after this glory, thinking that we can somehow obtain it ourselves apart from God. This is what led to the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. This is what leads to wars, conflict, and political battles in our world today. It leads to the pride of mankind boasting in our achievement, claiming we have attained such glory and honor. We seek to have God's glory and honor, to be like Him. If He had come in that glory and honor, we would not have seen or known God as anything different than our own deluded ideas of glory and God's grandeur. 
If he came in his power and might, we could not and would not see him as anything other than the God of justice, a legal God. We would not see him as the God of grace and mercy. We would be, he would rather be a stern disciplinarian to us who towers over you and forces you to do what is right. He would be seen as the God who you must worship or you will die. We would conclude that his power and might is what makes him right rather than his goodness. As such, we might and could certainly fear God, but we would not really and truly know him, love him, or trust him. And what is more, we would all die because we would focus on trying to attain a glory by ourselves, which we could not attain. Our focus would be on a path that leads to death because sinners cannot do what is holy and right. Death is what sinners such as ourselves obtain, not glory. Death is the result of our disobedience because we did not live up to the glory of God, but rather brought shame and dishonor to God's name. How arrogant we are to think we could actually glorify ourselves and somehow attain God's glory and honor for ourselves, even in a small way. So God comes hiding his glory and might. He comes among us appearing plain and ordinary in many ways. He comes so that we could see past his holiness, power, and glory. So that we could see past his wrath. He comes in a way that we would see his goodness and truly know his grace and mercy. Coming in our flesh and lowly like us gives us the chance to see beyond the blindness that the devil and our sin impose upon us. He hides his glory to thwart the devil's attempts to blind us and to make us focus on God's glory and his demand for holiness and perfection. While some remain blind and cannot see the truth about God's Grace and mercy, our Lord's coming cloaked in our servanthood and dying on the cross for us has caused the light to truly shine in the darkness. God has created faith where there was none. He created life and light in you. He brought you who once were in the darkness and outside into his church. You are his. For Christ has died on the cross for you. He came into the darkness and he created new life. He put the darkness to death and called forth life and light. Jesus faced the darkness and shone brightly the true love of God. Thus we see and know his love. We see him as he is, willing to die and sacrifice himself for us. We see Jesus as the true God and King who is willing to give everything to save his people. You have thus been saved. You have thus been redeemed. God has created life and light in the darkness of your life. He has brought forth faith in your heart. He has created you to be his. And in Christ Jesus, 
He has recreated you to be His beloved child. He created you to share in His glory, to bear His image. And now you have been saved and renewed in Jesus that you might bear His image once again. And thus God gives you His glory without you doing anything. He shares His glory with you and imparts His righteousness to you. No longer do you have to seek it yourself or obtain it alone. No longer are you separated from Him by His holiness. He has given you His glory and holiness. He has made you His beloved and prized possession. This is God's greater glory. This is His love for you. This is the light of the knowledge of God's glory. This is the light that shows us who God is, right and just, as well as merciful and gracious. This is the glory of the cross, of God dying for us, of His suffering to redeem you and me. This is the glory of the resurrection, that Jesus won the war against sin, death, and the devil on the cross. His death established Him as the true winner. And his victory, he has shared with you. You are victorious now too. You are holy and righteous because he has given you his glory and righteousness in baptism. You have been washed in his victory. You have been called to be his own. And you see him, his grace, and his glory today at his table, where his body and blood are given to you to take away your sins and make you victorious, holy, and righteous. And thus you live now. You abide in him and in his light. You refuse to practice the works of the devil and darkness. You refuse to live captive to your sin or anyone else's. You have renounced lies and underhandedness. Instead, you now speak the truth. You proclaim Jesus and what he has done. You practice and live out the truth in work. You show that you are a child of God by how you live. You show you are his child by speaking and teaching his word rightly. You point to Jesus and his greater glory, not by pointing to the transfiguration and the glory shown there, but by pointing to Jesus' death for sinners. For at the cross is God's greater glory of grace for you, for me, and for the world. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in grace. Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.